All right, well, good morning and welcome to CCC. Um, my name is Greg Gertis, and, and it's my distinct uh, pleasure to be sharing today with you as we celebrate one of my favorite holidays, Mother's Day. And can we once again take a moment just to thank our mothers for... I love you, Mom. Um, mother's Day, you deserve a lot more than just today. Um, and with our, with our mothers on our minds and in our hearts, um, can we just go to the Lord and pray uh, before we start? So, Father in heaven, thank you for this particular day, for Mother's Day. Thank you for our mothers and the sacrifices they have made for us. Thank you for the opportunity for us to share this time together in community, jointly worshiping you and celebrating the wonderful gift of motherhood and the lessons you can teach us through our mothers. Thank you for each of them, and, and we ask for your special blessing on them today. Also, thank you for the music that just roused our hearts, and may your spirit continue to rouse our hearts now. And Lord, may your words be spoken today, and may you open our hearts to your teaching. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, it's evident not all of us here are mothers, right? But all of us have had a mother, you know, at one time. In fact, the Lord um, used a mother to bring Jesus into the world. In, in Luke 1 we read, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. So today, I'm going to talk about one aspect of motherhood, and I'm sure we're all familiar with it, and that is pregnancy. I believe we actually, well, we had a few women who were, uh, who were in that phase of, uh, of motherhood. Congratulations, by the way. Um, and I will accept any and all corrections from them, from you, um, if I make any mistakes today, but what you're going to soon find out is that I actually am an expert in this field. So before, before I begin, I do have one caveat, and that's although pregnancy, at least the way God designed it, requires a mother, it's not a limiting factor um, in being a mother. I know there's many in this room who are, who are adopted or have adopted children. And, um, or even have taken on a role, a motherly role, with other people's children. Um, and so by no means does that prohibit you from being a mother. In fact, my wife is adopted, um, and I often joke with her that she has four mothers. Her, her birth mom, her Korean birth mom, who, was, who loved her so much she was willing to give her up for a better life in the U.S. Um, her adoption mother, who actually had a barren womb, and yet... Even though she was unable to have her own children, she loved on my wife uh, and all the other children with all her heart. Um, my wife also had a younger sister who was adopted by another family, and that mother, has, they've been able to reunite in the U.S., and now um, she has a, actually another mother who, who, who looks after her as well when, she goes, uh, when we return. And finally, there's my mom. Uh, the mother my wife inherited when we married, and who loves and prays for Janet regularly, and is very grateful to God that uh, he's using her to manage her rebellious son. So, one pregnancy, four moms. So today, I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about pregnancy, the pregnancy portion of motherhood. And, and as I said, I, I consider myself a bit of an expert on this matter. As you may have noticed, I have three children. Now, I might not be as much of an expert as some of these other gentlemen who have four, five, or six children, but I feel like I've, I've got it pretty mastered. And, and in fact, um, I've read all the classic books on pregnancy. There's the uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting. 
um, the Mayo Clinic Guide to Healthy Pregnancy, the pregnancy book, and there's, dude, you're going to be a dad. I didn't read that one, but, but I did find out that's one of the top sellers on Amazon right now. Now, as a pregnancy expert, I had a chance to analyze this phenomenon firsthand by observing my wife and, and have broken it down into five phases that you might already be familiar with. The first one, pre-pregnancy, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and get this thing out of me. And I understand now that not all pregnancies are the same, and I will make some generalizations today. But this is, again, based on my expert opinion, my uh, experience, and since I'm speaking today, you're just going to have to uh, agree to disagree on some points. So pre-pregnancy. Pre-pregnancy is not the same for all mothers. Some women, even at a young age, look forward to being a mother, while others, eh, they're not, not as interested. My wife happened to be in that second boat. Sorry, kids. Um, she was highly educated, had become a successful businesswoman, lots of friends. Um, and in her mind, there wasn't a whole lot of time for motherhood. God had a different plan, and we thank the Lord for that, and we are so blessed with our children. And besides, I knew she'd come around anyway at some point. But what is similar, whether she was looking forward to it or not, um, there's, there's a poor part of pregnancy, um, um, whether you were trying to avoid it, um, what is required is conception. And now, if you don't understand how conception occurs, um, please come up after the service, and um, either Elder Mark or Elder uh, John Gates will be more than happy to explain how this process works. We'll just, we'll just what we're going to say now is it requires an outside source, Okay. The second stage is the first trimester, okay? Once again, not the same for all mothers. Some women have this innate ability to automatically know, hey, I'm pregnant. And yet other women go on for months not even knowing they're pregnant. For example, Ingrid Christensen from Norway, one of the greatest distance runners of the 1980s, tells the story of how she was logging in her standard 200 kilometers a week of running. That's about 30 kilometers a day. And she wasn't recovering as quickly from her running. So she went to her doctor who informed her, Ingrid, you're five months pregnant. So what is common, though, is that there are changes. For example, a woman's monthly cycle stops. Some foods just don't seem to taste the same. And some ladies experience morning sickness. My wife was included in this. There, of course, is the visit to the doctors for confirmation. Vitamins are prescribed to ensure you're getting adequate nutrition and a list of what you can and can't do. The, like, you can't drink coffee, and there's no riding of roller coasters. Some women can't wait to tell everybody, right? While others are more, are more worried. What am I going to do? I'm not ready to be a mom. I can't be pregnant. You know, is this going to hurt? What, what's going to happen? And don't forget the most important part of this stage that we all have to go through, and that's that phone call. Mom, Dad, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, we're going to have a baby. Um, I'm sure the grandparents can all remember, in, the, in this room can remember that phone call. I actually look forward to it, but we're not in a rush, kids, all right? No rush. The third stage, second trimester. This is when other people, possi you know, possibly people you know, who you don't, or you don't recognize or you don't know, they start seeing a change. And they ask, are you pregnant? Words of wisdom to the young men if they're still in here. Never ask a woman if she's pregnant. 
have some, get some intel first to know that she's pregnant before you ask her if she's pregnant. Also at this stage, although some foods are not appealing anymore, appetite increases and there's cravings for other food. For our first child, it was ice cream and believe it or not, pickles. Pickles and ice cream for our first child. Our second one was spicy food, which meant I got to eat a lot of kimchi. And our third was, I think was chocolate, I think was our third child. And another thing happens during this phase. Those skinny jeans that you really like, they don't fit anymore. And that nice blouse that you really used to wear, you know, like to wear, you don't look so good in it anymore. Now the fourth stage, third trimester. The baby's getting bigger every day, and it can grow up to half a pound a week. There's no hiding the fact that you're pregnant. Also, there's lots of movement. I can remember watching as our kids moved around in Janet's belly, and you'd see a foot press up or a hand, and it was like there was some alien moving around inside of her belly. And it was very interesting to experiment by putting ice or flashlight to see how they'd, they'd move around in there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So the baby is getting huge, and that means one thing, lots of trips to the bathroom. And why? Because the baby's actually taking over the inner cavity of the, of the mother and is pushing and squeezing the internal organs, and even on the lungs, making it difficult, a little bit difficult to breathe. And now, not only do the skinny jeans not fit, none of the clothes fit. You have to go to this maternity and get the special waistband, elastic waistband clothes. So what about this fifth stage? So my wife and I had been pregnant about, or not pregnant, married, for about five years before we started having children. And when she got pregnant, it was cute, watching the little belly grow, and we were really excited. But I never did I expect to hear these words. You did this to me. This is your fault. I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Get this thing out of me. Right? Can any of the fathers relate? Really? You don't want to put your hands up in public, do you? All right. So... Well, the reason is the ultimate goal of pregnancy is not staying pregnant forever. I, I currently weigh 190 pounds, and I doubt my mother would care much to be carrying me still. The ultimate joy of pregnancy comes in knowing that someday you're going to see that child face to face. Am I right? So what does pregnancy have to do with what we're going to talk about today? Um, one of the ways I learn and grow in wisdom is through observation. And the Lord has blessed me with a lot of amazing people in my life that helped me grow. And the most, you know, probably the most important is my wife. By means of observing her, I see how the Lord works in her life and it helps me in my understandings. And I receive wise counsel from her and, of course, regular verbal corrections. But observing her pregnancies has allowed me to become, you know, not just an expert in this field, but it's taught me about my Christian walk and other people's Christian walks as well. So let's begin again with pre-pregnancy. Now, some of you may have come to Christ in what appeared, and I use the word appeared because we, we could really go into this, but to be an easy process, while other, others might have had a C.S. Lewis, Lewis experience. C.S. Lewis writes, he was author and theologian, C.S. Lewis writes, you must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second, from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him who so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared that had at last come upon me in the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted to that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. 
So this is C.S. Lewis. I mean, this is the guy who wrote the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And he's such a master writer in his theological books. But he struggled with this. And he fought about coming to Christ. But he couldn't fight the truth, which ultimately led him to Jesus. Now, whether you're somebody who came quickly to Christ or you ran from him like C.S. Lewis, either way, it took the Holy Spirit's intervention in your life for you to accept Christ as your Savior. In our fallen states, and I could talk about this all day, we are incapable of coming to Christ without his involvement. Just like pregnancy, it can't be done independently. And let me say something now. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, then brother, sister, there's, there's a reason why you're here today. And you're hearing this message. You know, he's standing at the door knocking, and it might be a little light tap that you're hearing, and it might be some banging. But he's there at the door, and it, all it takes for you is to accept it. it. It's right in front of you. This is yours. Grab, all, grab a hold of it. So the next phase is the first trimester. This is nerve-wracking for, for some people and super exciting for others. Am, am I really a Christian? I don't feel any different. You know, I'm not ready to be a Christian. What does this mean? You know, I don't think I can handle this. While others are just the opposite. I'm saved. I got to go tell people. And they need to, you know, I got to let other people know how amazing this is. Either way, a change will start happening in your life. For some people, it's different than others. For example, some things that were interesting before might not be as interesting now. And this is, this is the spirit moving within you. And you could be like our runner, Ingrid, who just kept plugging away at life until she finally realized, hey, I guess something is different here. An important verse that helps us understand what's happening is the indwelling of the Holy, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. is John 14, 16 through 17. And, I, and Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with, with you and will be in you. Here Jesus has promised the Spirit would dwell in believers and that the indwelling would be permanent. And it's not just for a select few believers, it's for all believers. In Ephesians 1.13 he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And in Corinthians 1 um, verse 22, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. There's no miscarriages here. When the Holy Spirit is in you, he's in you. But what if I don't feel like a Christian? We've all said that, right? I don't feel like a Christian. Well, I'm going to ask the mothers a question here. In the first trimester, did you always feel pregnant? Right? Probably not. Or how about this? Can you be partially pregnant? Does the doctor say, hey, looks like you're 50% pregnant? Mom, dad, I'm really, I'm only 25% pregnant. It's going to be okay. No, it's either you're pregnant or you're not, period, end of discussion. And either you've accepted the spirit or you haven't. Second, second trimester, at this stage, others should be taking notice. Is there something different about you? Did you become a vegetarian or you start working out? What's going on? Um, aspects of your Christian life, or af uh, aspects of your pre-Christian life, like your skinny jeans, shouldn't quite fit anymore. 
Elder Rick often refers to this as the dying of the old man. Also, the spirit inside you is growing in size and demands to be fed and nourished. Your appetite for the Word of God should be increasing. I want to know more. I need to know more. And that doesn't mean just attending CC on Sundays. All right? And this continues into the third trimester. The spirit is growing so much that it's actually creating pressure in your life. And so, and now being a Christian doesn't mean you need, uh, uh, let me say, being a Christian doesn't mean you have to run to the bathroom all the time, but the spirit inside you should be making changes in your life. One important thing to note, um, when my wife was pregnant, she didn't stop being Janet. You know, she actually was more of Janet. Now she was a mom carrying life inside of her wherever she went. She still worked. She still had other duties. She still was herself, but now there was more to her. And it was neat watching other mothers give her advice. Yes, she would receive recommendations and or corrections from other mothers, just like the body of Christ encouraging and admonishing each other. Now, it is important here to understand, to distinguish that conception and first trimester of the indwelling or acceptance of the Holy Spirit and the second and third trimester, the filling, are a little bit different, okay? In Ephesians 5.18, Paul tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like how pastor and author John MacArthur explains this. And he says, to truly understand, to, uh, to truly understand this, you need to know the Greek for be filled, which is, and my Greek isn't very good, I'm going to do the best I can, peruseth, is that a perellus? Okay, for my Greek friends here. I, the literal translation of the verb would read something like being kept filled. The idea of one of, of keeping yourself constantly filled as, when you, as you yield moment by moment to the leading of the Spirit. Being filled is actually, and is actually in a passive voice and indicates that you are receiving action from the Holy Spirit and He's constantly filling you. This is how, actually, this is how the Lord Jesus lived his life on earth, is being obedient to the Father and being filled by the Spirit. Now, pluru, which is the foundation of this word, actually has three shades of meaning that are helpful. The first is pressure. So like a wind, the, you know, wind blowing the sails of a ship, and it provides the impetus to move that vessel across the water. In the spiritual realm, this concept depicts the Holy Spirit providing thrust to believers down the pathway of obedience. The second is, per, is permeation. And I want you to think of salt here. When you sprinkle salt to your food, and it permeates the food, and it brings out the flavor in the food. This is how God wants the Holy Spirit to permeate and bring out the flavor of our lives. The third meaning is domination or total control. And what that's like is an emotion so overwhelming, like that you'd have at a wedding or a funeral um, or so, uh, just a major extreme event. And this emotion is so great, it grabs a hold of you. That's all you can think about. And in our spiritual lives, we're commanded to yield to the total control of the Holy Spirit. So every mo emotion, thought, and act of will is under His direction. So being filled with the Spirit means being pressured, permeated, dominated by the Spirit of, the, of God's Word. Kind of like being pregnant. You're, she's, you're being pressured and permeated. It's a part of your body now. You can't get away from it. It affects everything. So what about this fifth phase? Get it out of me phase. 
Do you mean that once the Holy Spirit's inside of me and it's grown, that now I want it to leave? No. Okay, and to allow me to elaborate, I'm going to tell you a story about an amazing Christian woman who has directly and indirectly had an effect on my life, and that's my grandmother. My grandmother was a godly woman who spent most of her life serving the Lord at home, at, uh, um, at church, in her neighborhoods, in her, in her neighborhood, and, and she left a legacy by teaching this to her children and grandchildren, who still model it today. I can clearly remember as a young boy, and I, I didn't understand it at the time, hearing my grandmother, when somebody was praying, just saying, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. And like he was standing right next to her and talking to her, and she was obeying his directions at that time. Well, in her old age, she became terminally ill and was hospitalized, and she spent many weeks suffering. But during that time, when her body was in pain, God still gave her the strength to just love on her family members and friends who would come to see her at the hospital and even the hospital staff. I unfortunately didn't get the chance to go out and visit her, but I heard several family members including my mom, laughing when telling the story of her last few days. I know this sounds a little morbid to be laughing when your grandmother's dying, but you've got to hear this story. So according to them, she would be there, and she was in a lot of pain, and she would just say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Take me. And she'd flop back on the bed, and she'd just lay there. And about a minute later, she'd get up, and she'd be with her eyes open her eyes and be frustrated because she was still in that hospital room. So what I mean by this last part is what Paul talks about in Philippians 1, 23, 24. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, far, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. It means, Lord, I know your spirit is within me. But more than anything, I want to see you face to face, Lord. Just like my mother wants to see to finally just like a mother finally wants to see her child she's been caring for 9 months but just like that mother has the responsibility the role and responsibility of caring that child to full term so we have the responsibility to be obedient with our time here on earth and serve the Lord and I guess God wanted my grandmother to be obedient just a few more days to a few more people so where does this leave us today how do I progress from conception in this first, um, this first trimester to be in a third trimester and be in my third trimester? Well, I'm, I'm actually glad you guys asked that. Since there is a passage that the Lord put on my heart when I was preparing uh, this talk, and I think it covers the whole process, um, and I want to read it. Please turn, if you have a Bible, we'll turn to Philippians 3, 7 through 14. And I'm going to read this from the King James Version because I like some of the words that they use in the King James Version that got a little bit more punch than you have in, the, in NIV or some of the other Bibles. But what things were gained to me, though I, those, I, those I counted as, as loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may that I may win Christ. You know, Paul, this guy was amazing. 
he had a lot to be proud of, a lot more than any of us in this room probably. This guy is a Hebrew among Hebrews, a great Pharisee, a Roman citizen. He had mastered the law, and yet he considers all that dung manure when it's compared to knowing Christ. Nothing to him, nothing compared more than knowing Christ. It goes on, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is God, uh, which is of God by faith. See, Paul understood that it all starts with faith. Just like pregnancy requires a fertilized egg, which then grows into a child and becomes an adult, our righteousness comes from God and on the basis of faith. In Hebrews 11 we read, But without faith it is impossible, it is impossible, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Verse 10, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death if by no means I attain to the resurrection from the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So, you got to see what Paul is saying here. He hasn't attained it. And this is the guy who wrote half the New Testament, and we're preaching from what he, you know, we're talking about what he had to say. And he said, I haven't attained it yet. Nor, or, or am I already per- perfected. This, and this word here, perfected, doesn't mean flawless. It means complete. He's saying, I am not complete. Does a, does a pregnant mother get it right all the time? You know, is she a good mom all the time during her pregnancy? You know, absolutely not. Sometimes, you know, you do the things that are on the don't list on the doctors. Maybe you have a cup of coffee, uh, maybe a glass of wine in the, at night, or ride that roller coaster when you weren't supposed to, right? There's, moms do make mistakes during that, during that pregnancy time. Does that mean you quit being a mom? Absolutely not. And Paul says this, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You see, Christ first fought, sought each one of us out. He sought after you. He went to nasty places, traveled through the mud, the filth, the grime to pull us out of our messes. Now it's our responsibility to seek after Him. We need to seek after the God who sought us. Apprehend the God who apprehended us. This is a whole sermon in itself, just spending on this, on this, this one little topic. And now that you have the Spirit, God wants you to chase after Him. He wants, he, and it, that comes through faith and obedience, as us pursuing God. Finally, finally uh, 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting that those things are, are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And skipping to verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those things that were important to me before are not important now. 
Instead, knowing Christ and serving Him is what I reach towards. My grandmother knew something. She knew that a pregnant life was a life well lived. And her reward was waiting for her in heaven. So let me close with a question for you. Are you pregnant? Are you nurturing something inside of you that demands to be fed, that's something that cannot be hidden from others? And, so, and I want to plant a seed in your mind. The next time you see a pregnant woman, don't go up to her and ask her if she's pregnant. But I want you to think about two questions. What do I believe? And do my actions do they, of my life, how I treat others, how I spend my time, my money, my resources, do they truly reflect what I say I believe? Do I walk what I talk? Is it visible to others? Is there enough evidence against me that other people are looking at me and say, are you pregnant? Let's close. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we can celebrate Mother's Day together um, communally here at CCC. Thank you for the time we can share and we, the lessons that you teach us through our mothers. And may we live a life that is spiritually pregnant, that others look to us and, and are just asking, how do I be like you? Just lift this all up to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.